Come. 
That is an awesome song. When you stop and you think about those words, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he's watching me. And he's got his eyes on us. He knows, he's concerned, he's, he's caring about us. And that's what we do, right? When we watch our children, we're concerned. We're looking out for their well-being, and that's what he does for us. That's an amazing thought. Praise the Lord for that. All right, we've got um, a lot of things coming up here on the church calendar. It's always busy. There's always things going on, but uh, we've got some big things coming up. We've got our building fund offering in just a couple weeks. We're asking the Lord to meet some needs so that we can improve our facilities so that we can reach souls. Not so that we can build an earthly kingdom. Not so that we can have nicer barns, right? We're not building bigger barns. That's not what we're doing. We want to be more effective in reaching souls. So we've got that coming up on the horizon. We've got our men's conference. Churches are in desperate need of men to stand up and lead. Desperately. Desperately. Homes are a mess. And women can do a great job of leading. But there's things that only men can do. And they need to stand up and do it. We're too lazy, guys. Too often we're too lazy and content to let other people do the hard work. Men's conference is a big deal. And we need the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and our lives. Then we've got this production, The Choice. A great outreach opportunity. A lot of work is going into it. Hundreds of hours. Crews are here all the time building props, organizing costumes and setting up sets, building sets. There's going to be lighting and sound and a cast who's practicing and memorizing lines. And there's a lot of marketing. As Pastor mentioned, we're putting a lot, we've got these little table tents that are being distributed to different restaurants. They're going to be on the tables at restaurants. We've got uh, marketing mailers that are going direct through the mail. We've got um, Facebook ads. Some of you have seen that stuff where we've put ads on Facebook and uh, we're seeing great results. I mean, even just the last 24 hours, I think over 20-something people have registered for uh, tickets. Unchurched people. Just I mean, the last 24 hours as a result of Facebook. That's not including our church folks. Hey, church folks, you don't need to register. We expect you to be here. You're not going to get the $10 artisan gift card, by the way. <laughs> All right? If you saw that, <laughs> you're not getting that. Pastor would love that. <laughs> uh, no, that's for... That's for, uh, and I know we didn't, we didn't instruct anybody and you were just doing your best to prepare, but um, those are for, you know, folks that we're trying to get the word out to them. And that's, so you do a great, you do a great service to it by sharing it, commenting on it, saying something about it. That, that's awesome. Liking it, that it spreads the word more. Okay. Um, but uh, we want folks that are unchurched, that haven't heard the gospel to come. And that's the purpose of that. And uh, yes, we may be enticing them, just like we entice the bus kids to come, and you, you have prizes in your class to get them to come, and we might be enticing them with artisan gift cards, just like Jesus fed the 5,000. And, uh, and so, coffee, that's what we're doing. But um, we need the Lord's help with that. The, there, there was a, a preacher, Oswald Smith, he once said, when we work, we work. When we pray, God works. And that's the truth of it. That's the, that's the amazing thing about the tool that we have in prayer. I believe that God is honored in our work. I have no doubt about that. Uh, faith without works is dead. 
The Bible is very consistent in teaching that we ought to be about some business the Father has said. Jesus, from a very young age, know you not, I must be about my Father's business. There was things he had to do. And there's things that we have to do. Things that we need to perform for God. He left us that we should be his ambassadors. We have to go on his behalf. Work that must be done. But it ought not to be that we just depend on our work. Our work is put forth so that he is honored and glorified, so that things are done decently and in order, and so that the gospel is spread, and then the Holy Spirit fills that work and utilizes it in a way that it could never have been used in a much more greater scale than we could ever imagine. And that's what we want from our building fund to our men's conference to this production. We want God to be glorified, we want souls to be saved, and we want it not to be about us, we want it to be about him. We want it to be a miraculous event. All of these things, miraculous. Not the ordinary, not, oh, that was good or that was helpful. Miraculous. And it's not going to happen unless we have him leading, guiding, directing, providing, protecting. And that means we have to pray. You know, the, the disciples, they were frustrated. They came to Jesus and they said, after, after Jesus had cast a demon out of a young man, and, and they said, why couldn't we do that? And he said, this kind cometh not forth but by prayer and fasting. We've got to get to a deeper level of prayer. Pastor has that vision for our church that we will get to a deeper level of prayer. And so he's been teaching us for, uh, since the beginning of the year. Almost every service, something new about prayer. And I'll tell you, I have learned something every service. (laughs) There is so much that we have to learn about prayer. And I hope that you're taking it in, that you're digesting it. We have seen the potential of prayer. We've seen the posture of prayer. We've seen the purpose of prayer. I want to add on to Pastor's P's that he's been using. And I want to give us a pattern for when to pray tonight. And so if you would, turn to Luke chapter 11 and verse number 1. Gospel of Luke chapter 11 and verse number 1. I like the sound of pages turning. Okay, let's pray. Father, we do ask that you would be a part of this service tonight. That you would lead, that you would guide, and you would direct me. Lord, I ask that you would not allow me to get out of your direction for this message. Lord, that you would uh, help me to be concise and direct. Lord, that the message would be productive in our hearts, not because of the words of a man, but because of your word being quick and powerful. Lord, we ask that you would be honored and glorified in this. Humble my flesh. Lord, I pray that pride would not creep in. Lord, I ask you to use this to motivate us to go deeper in our prayer life. Lord, without you, we can do nothing. We acknowledge that right now. And we're asking you to do something on our behalf. Work in our hearts, change our lives, and bless this ministry, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Luke chapter 11 and verse number one, it says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. We've all read this verse on many occasions. You look at it and we know what's coming next. 
a pattern of how to pray. He's going to dive into it. He's going to give them examples of when ye pray, right? Uh, he's giving them not the exact prayer. He's not giving them a rote prayer that they're just supposed to uh, do out of memorization. He's giving them a pattern for how to pray. That's not what I'm going to give you tonight. I want to give you a pattern for when to pray. When to pray. And, uh, but what we see here um, when it comes to, to prayer is <laughs> that there's something that has to be addressed before we go any further in learning about prayer. And that is that we have to really want it. We've got to want it. We have got to desire to learn to pray. One thing that must be preceded before we learn how to pray is learning, first of all, learning how to pray must be preceded by desire. You see these disciples, this unknown disciple. We don't know who he is, but we know that Jesus was praying. And then this disciple, when he ceased from praying, went to him and said, Lord, teach us. And I just want to hone in on that little phrase for just a moment. Teach us. When's the last time that you purposefully went to someone and asked them how you can pray? Not what you can pray for or how you can pray for them, but how do you pray? Now, we'll get to why they went to Jesus in just a moment, but how are, what active role are you taking in your life about prayer? Are you taking what you're force-fed in a service? Oh, I know that we willingly participate in it. I'm not saying that you don't want to receive it, but how are you actively pursuing learning to pray? How deeply you, do you desire it? Do you desire it just enough to be willing to listen in a service, or do you desire it enough to pursue it in your free time, to pursue it in the off-service time. You say, I have got to have this. I want it. I need it. I can't live without it. If we truly believed, desire really comes down to a belief that without me, ye can do nothing. And this disciple watched Jesus pray. And when he stopped praying, I believe that those disciples that were sitting by were just awestruck. Have you ever been in that circumstance where you watch somebody pray and when they were done praying, you're like, they just got a hold of God. They, they just did something that I don't get to do very often. How did, how did that happen? I know that I've been in that circumstance. I know I've listened to men of God pray, not because they were eloquent, but because they just got a hold of God. And these disciples, they looked at Jesus and they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. We, whatever you just did. It's not what we do. We want to do what you're doing. How did you do that? And they wanted to learn. They wanted to pursue it. Can you imagine what life was like during Jesus' earthly ministry for these men? Can you imagine that? They got to hear the words come out of Jesus' mouth. They got to watch the works performed. You know how often they stood in bewilderment? What in the world is going on here? <laughs> what is happening? So they watched lepers be healed. Men who had never walked stand up and pick up their beds and walk. People who had never heard a word in their life begin to hear his voice. 
dead people who were decaying in the grave come back to life. Can you imagine what that was like? It's mind-boggling when you stop and you think about it. I have no doubt that even at points they were looking at Jesus, wondering, who is this? Who really is this? We know that Jesus at one point, he questioned them. He said, who do men say that I am? But we know without a doubt, well, according to John, and this is why we know without a doubt, John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, and here's what John had to say about it, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. They eventually came to the point where they understood who exactly was right before them. They understood that this was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And they looked at him and they saw him pray and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. We got to have what you have. They're walking with him. Let your mind think through this. They are walking with God. And yet they still look at him and say, we need to learn how to pray. We've never been in that kind of proximity. And yet we have no desire to pray more often than not. They were walking down dusty roads with him. They were climbing hills. They were riding in boats. They were watching miracles performed. And yet they still looked at him and said, teach us to pray. Before we learn anything more about prayer, I want to challenge our desire tonight. Do you really desire to learn how to pray? Is it something you really want to get? Or is it like, well, if it happens, that's great. (laughs) If pastor teaches some method along the way that helps my prayer life, that would be awesome. But it's not about the mechanics. It's not about the methods. It's about desiring it. I want to have that intimate relationship with the Father. I want to have His blessing on my life. I want His help. We know that what this desire will eventually produce in our life is dependency. And so, before we learn how to pray, we must desire. But in learning when to pray, which is what I want to teach on tonight, learning when to pray, it must be preceded by dependency. You see, because you can learn how to pray and desire to learn how to do it. But if you simply do it through mechanics, you're not going the right direction. You can follow all of the instructions and it still not produce the result if you're not truly dependent upon him. Every other instruction, you can follow it. But if it's not dependency... If it's not looking to God and saying, I cannot do anything without you. We can do a lot without God. The truth of the matter is. And we do a lot without God. I've woken up and had those days where I did not walk with God the way that I ought to. Did not walk with him at all. And I went through that day. We failed that way. No lightning struck. The car didn't break down. Right? Isn't that the truth? We do a lot without God often. 
but that ought not to be the case. We ought to be dependent upon him. We see here in our verse that the disciples watched Jesus praying, and when he ceased, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And then they bring up someone else, as John also taught his disciples. You see, the disciples, they could have went to a bunch of people to learn how to pray. John was teaching his disciples how to pray. Hey, they, the Pharisees were praying all the time. Weren't they not? They, I mean, they're in the synagogue, lifting up their eyes to heaven. There was all kinds of examples about prayer. There was a lot of people who could have taught them how to pray. But I think that there's a very specific reason they went to Jesus. It's an obvious reason. Just as they sat there and watched him, I have no doubt, talk with the Father in all, watching him pray and then asking him after that, I believe that they had seen that consistently throughout Jesus' life. I believe that time and time again, and not because I'm, I'm, it's conjecture or not because I'm projecting that Jesus had a great walk with God. Look at all of his miracles. Look at his life. What did Jesus do when he was choosing disciples? He pulled himself away and prayed. What did Jesus do when he was feeding the 5,000? He pulled himself away and he prayed. I believe that he went through every single day of his life saturated. Now listen. You don't listen. Let's read. Go to John chapter 5. Look at these verses. It's, it's really, they're amazing truths. We're going to read three verses. They're all going to reiterate each other. John chapter 5 verse 19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, look at these words. The Son, capital S, who is that? Who is Jesus? God. Right? Do we agree with that? Capital S, Son, God. The Son can do nothing of himself. But what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doth the Son likewise. Look at John chapter 8, verse 28. Then saith Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Look at John chapter 14, verse number 10. John chapter 14, verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Now, this is confusing. Our peanut brains really don't understand this concept. God is Jesus. Jesus is God. He's one with the Father. He's one with the Spirit. He is God, the God-man. But over and over and over again, he reiterates that I don't do anything and can't do anything without my Father. He's the one that does the works. I can't tell you that I can explain all of it to you. But I can draw a principle from this. 
If Jesus was that dependent on the Father, (laughs) how much more should we? If Jesus went about his earthly ministry with the words on his lips saying, I can do nothing without the Father. The works that happen in me are because of the Father. That ought to motivate us to a new level of dependency. And I believe the disciples, they looked at Jesus and they said, wow, he gets a hold of God like none other. When he prays, there's a a fellowship. When he prays, there's a dependency. Let's look at one, just one. We don't have time. I've got a whole list of illustrations here, examples of the Bible. Let's just look at John chapter 11 since we're already there. John chapter 11, verse 40. Familiar story. Story. Lazarus. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, Lazarus. And Jesus lays, lay, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, thank thee, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. So he's already connected, right? He hasn't started praying and he's already thanking God that he heard him. Right? He's already been connected to the lifeline. Isn't that what we draw from that? I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Wait a second. You haven't even prayed yet. By our standards. He was already there. He was already connected. And where did he lift his eyes? Up. Where did he lift his hands? Up. What was Jesus doing? He was showing his, these people something. I'm not going to do something here. The Father's going to do something. The Father is going to perform something here, and you're just going to watch it happen through me. Dependency. That's the example that the disciples lived with. That's what they walked with every day. And so it makes perfect sense when they're watching Jesus pray this time at this given point in this unknown disciple. It's obvious. We know why this disciple is asking Jesus. Because they've seen the dependency. The real true dependency. And they saw the results of that dependency. They wanted it. They desired it. But they understood that desire alone was not enough. They would have to be truly dependent. We are so prideful. From the very beginning, it's been pride that has destroyed. Pride of Lucifer that cast him down. Pride of Adam and Eve that said, hey, that would be great. Let's be like gods. Let's have the knowledge. In our lives, we are so full of pride that it makes it very difficult for us to truly be dependent upon somebody. It does. It takes an exercise, of dis- an exercise of discipline. But it can be achieved. We can have dependency. This is not an impossible task. This is a tool that God gave to us and he said, I want you to have it and I want you to use it. Not only do I want you to use it, I want you to use it boldly. And with confidence that you can come to my throne room and make your requests known. 
Hey, and when you don't understand what to say or how to pray, my Holy Spirit will groan for you. With words that cannot be uttered. And Jesus, well, he ever liveth to make intercession. What an amazing thing. If we'll desire it, truly, we can learn how to do it. But learning how to do it is useless if we're not going to be dependent. Dependency will drive us to our knees. And so then that brings us to the point where we can follow a pattern of prayer. A pattern of when to pray. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. We'll begin three simple things that I'm going to give you. A pattern of prayer. And, and the message is really almost done. A pattern of prayer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. We're very familiar with this passage and this verse. Most of us can quote it by heart. Ready? Is everyone there? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Ready? Let's say it all together. Pray without ceasing. That was only some of you. The rest need to wake up and say it with me. Ready? Pray without ceasing. First of all, in a pattern of prayer, when to pray, we need to pray constantly. We need to have a prayer life that is constant. We understand, and, and this is a basic prayer 101, we can't walk around all day or drive our cars with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Prayer 101 doesn't work. Okay? Eve was trying it this past week. Someone nailed him. <laughs> Head bowed, eyes. No, that's not what happened. All right, but pray for him. He did get in a wreck. Um, side, just a little side note. Squirrel. <laughs> All right, back on point. We got to pray constantly. Constantly. It's got to be our attitude of prayer. We understand when we, when we, when we pull this principle out and we, we look at this pray without ceasing, we're learning that our prayer life ought to be something of constant communication with the Heavenly Father. As we go throughout our day, Lord, I need your help. Lord, would you give me strength? Lord, I got you know, little things. Little things. You got a decision you got to make. Small decisions. Not that big a deal. Where are you going to go to lunch? Taco Bell, McDonald's. Lord, give me the wisdom. Okay, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But little decisions. You get my point? It's a constant thing. It's a thing that we use as we go throughout the day. That I am pr- praying without ceasing. Constant fellowship, constant communion. Lord, give me direction. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, help me. Lord, be with my family. It's just those things that we pray throughout the day, those connective type prayers. This is a pattern. You know, a pattern is followed when you want a good result, right? The seamstress pulls out the pattern, she meticulously takes the pins, pins it to the cloth. Traces the pattern out, cuts the pattern out, and follows the pattern to get the results she wants. The contractor gets his blueprint, which is nothing more than a pattern, in order to place the concrete slab where it should be, on the right elevation, to put the footers in place so that he can build the structure, so that the building can be supported properly, and then he can put the side. He follows a pattern if he wants the proper result. A mechanic has a detailed plan. He's got the book. He's got his knowledge. He's got the internet, whatever it may be. And he follows a plan. He follows procedures in order to solve the 
the problem that the vehicle is having. Everything in life is done in order. God is a God of order. Everything is to a pattern. Why would prayer not be to a pattern? And if we want to be successful in our prayer lives, then we ought to follow the pattern. Yes, we need to desire to learn how to pray. We need to be dependent upon God to be effective in our prayer. But then we need to follow a pattern. The first step in that pattern is to be constant in our prayer lives. This is just the first step in this pattern. I'm giving you three things, and I believe that they all build upon each other. This by itself is not true prayer. Can I say that? Without sounding like I'm creating my own doctrine? This is not just this is not a true prayer life. This is a pattern in praying. This is how we ought to go throughout our days. It's a basic instruction for our communication with God. But this has to stem from something much deeper. The person who says, Yeah, I pray all the time, but never prays at a time, does not have a prayer life. Does that make sense? So you have to be constant in prayer, but you have to be consistent in prayer. You need to have a time of prayer. You need to have time that is set aside for prayer. If you go about your day and say, yeah, I pray without ceasing, but you don't have a time of prayer, you're not truly dependent upon God. You have a rabbit's foot. That you're rubbing as you go throughout the day. You're, you have a good luck charm. If it's, if it's just the praying without ceasing. Just the surface idea of praying without ceasing. You don't got what you really need. You don't have true dependency. True dependency is produced in part by a consistent prayer life. Where you say, you know what? It's time to come apart because I've got to get with God. Intimately get with God. Because without him I can do nothing. And we already mentioned the illustrations of Jesus and his example that he left for us. What did he do when it was time to make a difficult decision? He's about to choose his disciples, the men who would follow him, the men who would eventually become apostles, the men who would build the church and, and, uh, and uh, prosper the gospel. This was an important decision. What did he do? He came apart before he made that decision. He went aside. He said, you know what, I don't have time to do this, but I have all the time in the world. I've got to do this. And we see throughout his life, he was consistent in that. Consistent in having a time to pray, no matter what the schedule may have been. 5,000 people who are hungry, let me go pray about it. You know what we do when we're busy in our schedules? We leave the prayer out. Because we're not dependent. The example we've already learned from, from Jesus is that he truly was dependent upon the Father. And so when the difficulties came, the difficult times, and, and these aren't big, horrible situations, right? They're not dramatic, they're not horrible, they're not uh, traumatic. These are just kind of everyday of the mill things for Jesus in his life. Oh, I got to feed 5,000? Yeah, no problem, let me go pray. This is kind of the everyday thing. Do you have an everyday prayer life with God? time where you set aside to meet with him from the example we see in scripture it's not just something that is done once it's constant 
not just set in the morning. I have my prayer time. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, we see, let me just read this to you now. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his window being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. Right? We know the story about Daniel. What did he do? Well, he went and he had a time of prayer three times a day. That sounds consistent to me, doesn't it? Do you want to see results in your life like Daniel did? Yeah, I do. Got to be consistent. Not just pray without ceasing. You got to be consistent in your prayer. Consistent in your prayer. David. David tells us in Psalms chapter 55, verse 17. Evening and morning and noon will I pray. He brings this three times a day up again. You know, we see that example multiple times throughout Scripture. Where people had set aside certain portions of the day to pray. That's consistency. What is that? That's taking time throughout our day to say, you know what? I really can't do anything without God. I'm going to free time in my schedule so that way I make sure I'm depending upon him. Is your prayer life consistent? You know, maybe I'm just confessing. (laughs) Or maybe it is something that we struggle with a lot. That if we had to use one word that described our prayer life, not many of us would fall to the word consistent. I'm not saying that you don't pray. But does consistent come to mind when you think about your prayer life? Is that an adjective that you would use to describe it? Consistent? It ought to be. It should be. But we need, we need to put work into it. Finally, this evening, we need to have that constant walk, pray without ceasing. But that really needs to be built upon a consistent walk. And then also, along the way, we will find prayer times that are crucial prayers. Those critical prayers. Now, let me just explain this. Oh God, my dad is dying. Will you intervene? This horrible tragedy is taking place in my life. I need your help, God. This terrible need, Lord, there's a big need. I really need you to come through for me. Many people in the world only have this kind of prayer life. Many people in the church only have this kind of prayer life. The prayer life of the crucial or critical prayer. There is no constant prayer. There is no consistent prayer. We jump right to the crucial. When we're in a big mess. God, I need you. you got to come through. There's even those legendary prayers of, if you do this, I'll go to church. If you do this, I'll be good. That's not prayer. That's not dependency. I'm not saying that people don't go sincerely, but sincerity doesn't unlock prayer. It doesn't. Just like 
Sincerity in a false doctrine doesn't unlock heaven. There's a lot of sincere people who will go to hell. And there's a lot of sincere Christian prayers that go up that don't leave your room. Why? Because there is no constant or consistent prayer life. Now, is that to say that God does not hear those crucial prayers if they're truly dependent upon him? I believe that he hears the prayer of salvation that comes from person, a person who has no walk with God before that moment. Lord, I'm a sinner and I need you. There has been no constant or consistent prayer life for that person, but they're not in a relationship with the Lord. You and I are in a different place if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. We're in a place where our prayer life should not be a critical prayer thrown up like a Hail Mary. We're in a position in our lives where we're supposed to have access to the Heavenly Father, intimate relationship and fellowship, constantly and consistently. Because we are dependent upon Him. I believe that these crucial prayers are important as a pattern for us, though. If your prayer life is constant, and if your prayer life is consistent, then I believe that these crucial prayers are important and biblical. I believe that because from the very beginning of the Bible, and for sake of time, we won't look, but look at, if you were to look at Moses, did he not cry out to God at the, the, the shoreline of the Red Sea? Lord, help! Didn't he cry out when the starving nation of Israel was begging him for bread? God, what have you gotten me into? I need your help. Oh, there was critical prayers. What about Hannah weeping at the temple? Lord, give me a son. What about David on the backside of those hillsides? Begging for God's help and his power. Here's a lion and here's a bear and he, he, God gave him the victory. What about David on the post, the post end, the back end of sin? God, please forgive me, heal me, restore the joy of my salvation. God, I need your help. What about the nation? Or what about Job? We'll get ahead of ours. What about Job crying in his distress to the Lord? Naked came I in, naked I'll go out. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What about the people of Nineveh? As, as Jonah's prophesying destruction. Lord, forgive us. Oh, there's crucial prayers. Our perfect example, right, Jesus? In the garden. As he prayed, he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. Sounds like a crucial or critical time of prayer. He was crying out, God, let this cup pass from me. Let it pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Oh, we can hear it in all of these stories. That urgent crying out for prayer. And that ought to be part of our lives. There's times where we just got to beg God, God, I need your help. But it ought not to be the only time we're praying. Hey, church, it shouldn't just be the building fund or the production. It shouldn't just be uh, the men's conference that spurns us to an urgency in our prayer. 
Those are good reasons. But we ought to have urgent prayers. We ought to go to God urgently on our behalf, our family's behalf, our church members' behalf. But it ought not just be that kind of prayer. Not just a constant prayer. It's not just prayer without ceasing. There's got to be consistent prayer. And when you have a consistent prayer life and schedule for it, you will have a constant prayer life. And you know what? You'll actually be able to get a hold of God when you have that critical prayer that you need to pray. Don't you want to get a hold of him during those critical times? We ought to. And so tonight, I come tonight with a pattern of prayer. To challenge the church to first and foremost be consistent in your prayer life. Have it set in a schedule and start tonight. And from that consistency, walk in a spirit of prayer. Praying without ceasing. And as you move forward in your life, you're going to come across events where you're going to need to have that critical time of prayer. Crisis praying. And you'll be able to take advantage of it. Follow the pattern if you want to have the results. We have got some things coming up on our church calendar. I'm asking you to be consistent in praying. Not just for those events. Be consistent in your own prayer life, first of all. But for these events, please be consistent. And so for the month of March, pastor would like to invite everybody to come three times a day to the church and pray. Why? Because we want to be consistent in prayer. We saw that example in David. We saw it in Daniel. And if you're available 7 o'clock in the morning, noon, or at 6 o'clock at night, the church will be open and you can come pray. If it's just the staff praying here, then that's fine. We'll pray. But let's really get on board and be consistent about these things. We talk about our building fund. We talk about uh, these big events, the men's conference, the, the production, and we, we desperately verbalize how much we need God's help. Let's put some legs to it. You say, well, that's a big commitment. You're asking a lot from us. I know. I know. But do we want the result or not? Or are we just content to get to just work and when we work, we work? Or do we want to pray and let God work? So, through the month of March, starting tomorrow, 7 in the morning, noon, and 6 o'clock at night, we're going to pray. Monday through Friday. Okay? Monday through Friday. We're going to pray consistently. As we approach some of these big events, we're going to have some critical praying. Urgent prayer. On March 20th, at 6 o'clock, we will start a 24-hour prayer chain. Someone at the church, we're going to have sign-up sheets up for you. There'll be 15-minute blocks. You can choose to do 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever you want to do, whatever's convenient for you. We put it in 15-minute blocks, so that way it's flexible. 24 hours from 6 p.m. on Thursday night until 6 p.m. on Friday night, leading all the way up right to the beginning of that men's conference, we would like somebody to be in this building praying. At least one person. Say, that's really inconvenient. We've, folks that have been doing this production have been here two, three nights a week for hours, working to prepare. 
the least we can do is get some of the church here together for a half an hour at a given time. Let's be critical. Let's be urgent about it. Don't we see the critical prayer? We see the critical prayer being offered up. Let's pray critically. Let's pray, pray with uh, concern. Just like the example we saw. So we'll have 24 hours straight of prayer. When it comes to this production, we want to pray more. It's about souls. We got to pray more. 24 hours isn't going to be enough. We want to pray 72 hours straight. Three days. Starting Monday night, we're going to pray. Monday night to Wednesday night, or Tuesday night, Tuesday night to Wednesday night, Wednesday night to the first showing on Thursday night. 72 hours straight of prayer. We're going to have sign-up sheets. Everyone picks a spot, comes and prays. We've got cards. Do they have the cards, ushers? Ushers, do you have the cards? Guys, all the ushers that are helping, get back there and get the cards if you would. If there's anybody or ushers, you just get back there. Even if some extra guys could help and we can get this out quicker, that would be great. Want to get everybody this card. We have a prayer card. It's a detailed prayer list. What am I going to pray for when I come to pray for a half an hour? What am I going to pray for throughout the week when I'm praying constantly and consistently? Well, we've got it back here. A bunch of ushers. Come on, guys. Start. Everyone gets one card. Give everybody a card. All right? Everybody gets a card. And this is going to show you exactly how you're going to pray. What you're going to pray for. The cast, the crew, every aspect of this production. It's going to be on there. It's going to be for the director. It's, it's got little prayer requests for everything. It's not entire in detail, but it is detailed. Uh, detailed enough to give you a springboard, a place to start in prayer. And so you have your, your prayer card there. Pray constantly for these things. Pray consistently for those things. Just keep your hands up. If you still need one, just put your hand up. Folks in the back over here, good. All right. Everyone should have a prayer card. You're going to bring that with you when you come during your slot. You're going to pray here at the church. When you come during the daytime... Those morning, noon, or night time prayer slots, we're going to focus on one thing. You might come one day, we're going to focus in the morning on the production. You might come in the afternoon, we're going to focus on the building uh, offering. You might come at night, we're praying for the production again. Or we could be praying for uh, whatever, the men's conference. We're just going to keep, get it, keep it in cycle. Where we are constantly bathing these things in prayer. Why? Because without me, ye can do nothing. I do nothing. Except that my father does through me. That was Jesus. And his dependency. How much more should we be dependent upon him? Hey, this is not lip service, church. This is not lip service as men pleasers. Don't fill a slot because you need to make pastor happy or you're worried he'll see your name's not on a list. Fill a spot because you believe that without God you can do nothing. Fill a slot because there are souls in the balance. Fill a slot because you want to have that intimate relationship with the Lord. Fill a slot because there's a pattern here and we want to follow the pattern so we can get the result. Anyone else need one of these? Everyone's got one. Okay. We are a couple of minutes past what normal is. But we're going to take a few moments and we're going to pray before we leave tonight. I said we're going to do that at the end. We've learned that Learning about prayer is only as good as our desire. And that if we have the true desire, that's going to bring us to a place of true dependency. And then we can follow this pattern. Maybe your prayer life's not what it should be. Why don't you confess that to the Lord tonight? 
Your prayer life not being what it should be isn't an excuse for it not to be what it could be. It's just motivation for me to fix it. So come to the altar and ask the Lord to forgive you. Get it back on track. Get it fixed. Ask the Lord for help, for it to be strengthened and for it to grow. Ask for a greater dependency upon him that he would bring that to your heart and your mind. But let's take some, a few moments. We're going to take five. Five moments. We're going to open it up to pray. I would ask if you can, if you're physically able, come forward and pray. I know, it just gets us out of our, gets us out of our normal posture, sitting there. A little uncomfortable, maybe. That's okay, uncomfortable might just motivate us a little bit more to be dependent. And so let's pray. We'll pray until 825. Go ahead. No piano.